Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now. Soundington Media! In an old Icelandic saga, the hero Orvar Otter travels across the Greenland Sea to avenge the death of his brother Thord. When he lands, he will face Ogmund, a terrifying and brutal warrior. But there are things to worry about on the journey itself. The manuscript reads, The Hafgufa is the largest monster in the sea. It is the nature of this creature to swallow men and ships and whales and everything else within reach. It stays submerged for days, then rears its head and nostrils above the surface and stays that way, at least until the change of tide. Ogmund has sent these creatures to you by means of his magic to cause the death of you and all your men. He expects that the Hafgufa will swallow us all. This text is translated from Old Norse, first written down in the late 13th century. And the Hafgufa? Today we think that name may be the first written reference to the Kraken. I'm Elise Parisian, and we'll explore the depths this beast calls home on today's episode of Unspookable. Yes, I have heard of a kraken. A kraken is like a big squid or octopus monster. A kraken is like this giant sea creature that looks like an octopus that scares away sailors. The kraken is kind of an old tale or legend, and it's just a big squid-like, octopus-like creature that can tear down ships and take the people off of them and eat them. There are plenty of mysterious things in the ocean. Plenty of beautiful, amazing, and even dangerous things. If you've been able to spend time near the ocean in your life, or even if you've learned about it from books or TV, you probably know something of its most fearsome creatures. Sharks, killer whales, giant jellyfish, stingrays. It seems there's no shortage of sharp teeth and poisonous barbs. But as any further study will tell you, most of these creatures will leave you alone, if you leave them alone. Sharks don't actually want to eat humans, no matter what movies have made us think. What if there was a creature who really wanted to eat human flesh? Some would say that creature is the kraken. Called the Akuro Kamui in Japanese legend, and the Luska in Caribbean folklore, the more western version is called kraken, whose name has a history almost as interesting as the beast itself. 
In modern German, krake means octopus. Kraken is also an old Norwegian word for octopus, and an old Swedish word used for whales when the original word became taboo, as it was believed it could summon the creatures. Before its adaptation into English, it was the Old Norse kraki, a word designating an unhealthy animal, or something twisted, the same root word that gives us words like crook and crank. From the very beginning, the kraken was defined by its wrongness, its classification outside of what an animal should be. As the legend of Orvar Otter tells us, people first began writing about krakens around the 13th century in Scandinavian countries where Old Norse was spoken, including the modern-day Norway, Denmark, and Sweden. Throughout the 8th, 9th, and 10th centuries, specific groups of Norse explorers, traders, and warriors, referred to today as Vikings, spread all across the North Atlantic, traveling between what would become Iceland, Greenland, the United Kingdom, Russia, and many other countries. With advanced sailing and navigational skills, the possibilities for sea travel became more and more exciting. Longer journeys were possible, giving sailors more exposure to the vastness of the ocean. Imagine learning for the first time that the Atlantic Ocean extended all the way from Europe to North America by sailing across it. This is the time that Scandinavian folklore began to include tales of the Kraken. In many of these early stories, the form of the Kraken varies. Some would describe it as more of a whale-like creature, but with tentacles. Some describe a creature more like an octopus or a squid, but giant. In some accounts, it's almost impossible to understand what the creature looked like. There is a fish that is still unmentioned, which it is scarcely advisable to speak about on account of its size, because it will seem to most people incredible. There are only a few who can speak upon it clearly because it is seldom near land, nor appears where it may be seen by fishermen. And I suppose there are not many of this sort of fish in the sea. Most often in our tongue, we call it Hafgufa. When this old Norwegian natural history book, written around 1250, was translated by scholars in the 1800s, they used the word kraken in place of Hafgufa. The original writer switches back and forth between Hafgufa and fish, never quite being able to explain exactly what this thing is. The writer claims that there are only two of these beasts in existence, because sailors have never seen them beyond one route in the Greenland Sea. Tales of the Kraken fill both legend and history books from this time on. The same bestiary texts that we've talked about on previous episodes of Unspookable, ones that told of unicorns and dragons and other legendary creatures alongside animals whose existence was proven, like bears and tigers and eagles. During the Middle Ages, and even into the 17th and 18th centuries, scholars and historians wrote of the Kraken as if its existence was both a proven fact and a possible myth at the same time. So which one is it? What were sailors possibly seeing out there in the deep dark ocean? More on the Kraken when we get back. I think most people are scared of what's in the ocean because not much of the ocean has been discovered yet, and there could be a lot more things that we don't know about. 
I think that people are scared of the creatures because some people are just like really scared of of like slimy sea creatures that like like if they were to have teeth they'd be like <sighs> I think people are scared of creatures in the ocean because the ocean we don't live in the ocean and we don't know much about it compared to how much we know about the land so there's mysterious creatures and dangerous creatures the only type of sea creature that i'm scared of is something that could eat me like i'm not scared of tiny little fish but i'm scared of like there was this really big thing in my lake one time and we had no idea what it was and other people have seen it in our lake too and it's huge and it's black and it's really scary. I do not like electric eels. Yes, I am scared of sea creatures. Um I am scared of the Basque shark even though it doesn't hurt. It scares me a lot to talk about it. Imagine You're on a long sea voyage, and you haven't seen land in days. You're on a trading ship, so other than the captain and a couple of the merchant owners, there aren't really any wealthy people on board. No one is just a passenger. Everyone here has to work. Even the kids. Your job is in the galley, the ship's kitchen, preparing endless quantities of the same bland meals and scraping the same dishes over and over. Fresh water is rationed, and there aren't many nutritious foods. The work is exhausting, and boring, and dirty, and it's hard to sleep at night. You're about to tip another pail of mop water over the side of the ship when you see something. A massive fleshy arm with round cups peeks above the water, trailing behind a bulbous body of unknown length. Just as suddenly as the creature is surfaced, it is gone, leaving a great froth in its wake. If you didn't know what a squid or an octopus was, what would you think you had seen? In 1752, Eric Pontopidon wrote the first attempt at a natural history of Norway, which talks extensively of the kraken. Pontopidon explains that the creature was sometimes mistaken for an island, and that the real danger to sailors was not the creature itself, but rather the whirlpool left in its wake. It is said that if the creature's arms were to lay hold of the largest man of war, they would pull it down to the bottom. The man of war that the writer is talking about, that's a warship that could be around 60 meters or 200 feet long. Imagine the tentacle size that would be needed to pull a ship that size under. But that's how big people believed the Kraken was, as big as the largest ship they knew of. The idea that the Kraken could make wide whirlpools that disturbed the sea to the point of being able to pull a ship under continued to spread. It was believed that by some magic, even a smaller-sized Kraken could create a force that drew fish into its reach, pulling everything else along with it. In 1781, Swedish author Jacob Wallenberg wrote, Gradually, Kraken ascends to the surface. And when he is at 10 to 12 fathoms, the boats had better move out of his vicinity, as he will shortly thereafter burst up, like a floating island, spurting water from his dreadful nostrils and making ring waves around him, which can reach many miles. 
Could one doubt that this is the Leviathan of Job? We've talked before on Unspookable about the mysteries of the sea, especially for people living in ancient times with no means to travel. For them, the idea of mermaids or sea monsters was not far-fetched at all. The Leviathan that Wallenberg is referencing comes from the Book of Job, and is also referenced in other books of the Bible. Described as a torturous serpent, who would be killed at the end of time, the Leviathan was often depicted as a huge and fearsome fish, a sort of companion monster to the land-dwelling behemoth. Many scholars have drawn comparisons between the mention of the Leviathan in the Bible and other ancient mythologies. There is another creature called the Loden, described by Syrians as long ago as 1700 BC. Loden means coiled, and this monster is a servant of the sea god Yam, eventually defeated by the storm god Baal. The Leviathan story in the book of Job follows a similar course. Though the creature is powerful, with the speed in the water of the fastest fish, scales like a snake, and a huge gaping mouth like a dragon, eventually good triumphs over evil, and it is defeated. So, if people have been seeing creatures like this, and telling stories about them since ancient times, is it possible that they are real? Well, in a sense, they may be. It is possible that the creature that most resembles a kraken that exists today is the giant squid, or Archituthis ducks, a member of what we now call the cephalopod class, which includes squid, octopuses, and natili. The giant squid is thought to be able to grow as long as 45 feet and may be able to survive in ocean depths of up to 3,000 feet or more. It's no wonder that scientists believe these creatures could have given rise to the legends of the kraken. Seeing one near the surface would have been extremely rare, and likely terrifying for sailors who didn't know such a thing could exist. Giant squid are thought to live in every ocean, especially in colder waters, the very northernmost and southernmost waters on the globe. The Greenland Sea, around which tales of the kraken first spread, could contain many of them. So what else do we know about the many forms the kraken could take around the globe? We'll look at that and the foothold, or a tentacle hold, the creature has gotten in popular culture right after this. Hi, Elise here, and this week we are excited to give you a listen to the latest from Soundsington Media, Reach, a space podcast for kids. If you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Can animals survive in space? Where do astronauts go to the bathroom? Is Pluto a planet? Is the moon really made of cheese? Hi, I'm Brian Holden. And I'm Meredith Stepien. And we're going to answer all of these questions and more on our brand new show, Reach, a space podcast for kids. Built for kids and based on questions from kids, Reach will feature fun interviews and stories, as well as experiments you can do at home in association with experts and thought partners from leading institutions like the Adler Planetarium and many, many more. The first season of Reach begins June 16th, 2020. Make sure you subscribe to Reach, a space podcast for kids, now on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. In the year 1866, 
Ships all across the globe report sightings of a mysterious sea monster. Perhaps a giant narwhal. Professor Pierre Aranax, a French marine biologist, joins an expedition setting off from New York City to destroy the creature. After being thrown into the sea when their ship is damaged by the monster, Aranax and two companions are brought aboard the Nautilus. Finding out that what people the world over have believed to be a giant sea monster is actually a futuristic submarine piloted by Captain Nemo. Aboard the Nautilus, the crew faces many foes at sea, including a creature with the proportions and description of a kraken. This is just a small bit of the plot of Jules Verne's novel, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, published in chapters between 1869 and 1870. Verne's novel became a sensation and it remains one of the most widely known examples of a kraken-like creature in popular culture. As scientists began to understand more and more about the oceans and what they contained, the kraken began to make its way more into the realm of fiction than natural history or science. But people's fascination with it and other mysteries of the deep remained. In the early 1900s, new film technology gave new dimensions to storytelling about the sea. In the 1906 silent film Under the Seas, which many consider to be making fun of Jules Verne's novel, the kraken is represented by footage of an octopus attacking a toy ship in a bathtub. Across the 20th century, in illustrations, comics, and graphic novels, the kraken is a fixture of stories that sometimes take wild detours from the usual plot to include adventures at sea. From Wolverine and Hercules, to the Umbrella Academy, to Aquaman, many comic book heroes have either worked with or been attacked by a kraken. In the 1981 film, Clash of the Titans, Zeus famously commands, Release the Kraken! A line which has gone down in movie history. In the 2006 film, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest, the kraken is a beast that does the bidding of the villain, Davy Jones. So, what are scientists learning today about the possible inspiration for the Kraken that are still influencing its modern portrayal? Capturing footage of live giant squid in the wild is still challenging, even with all the tools researchers have today. And when specimens do wash up on the land, they're often in a state of decay. The first photograph of a live giant squid was taken in 2002. For much of history, both fictional and scientific illustrations were created mostly from imagination. But now, for movies like Pirates of the Caribbean, artists have more documentation to create from. In 2019, an expedition known as Journey to Midnight captured video footage of a giant squid at around 2,000 feet deep in the Gulf of Mexico. Though fleeting, the video gives clear and almost frightening detail to the way the creature moves and looks. At the time it was filmed, that juvenile was only around 12 feet long. But who knows how big it is now? In June of 2020, Dr. Kathy Sullivan, the first American woman to walk in space, also became the first woman to travel by submersible to Challenger Deep, 35,810 feet below the surface of the ocean. Dr. Sullivan is the only person to have ever done both a spacewalk, and this deep ocean dive. Challenger Deep is located in the Mariana Trench, 
about 200 miles southwest of Guam in the Pacific Ocean. As a person that has seen both, Dr. Sullivan compared the bottom of the sea to a moonscape. So far, this is the lowest, deepest point of the ocean humans have been able to access. We don't know if there's anything deeper. The creatures that Dr. Sullivan may have passed on the way down have names like Goblin Shark, Black Sea Devil, Viperfish, and Fangtooth. Many of these creatures are pale from living where the sunlight doesn't reach, and they can have ghastly-looking teeth, fins, and other body parts, adaptations that have helped them survive and kill their prey in pitch darkness. Did the sailors of the 13th century have any inkling that the ocean below them, at least in one place, housed such creatures? Could they have known that in 800 years, humans would not only know that the ocean went to a depth of 35,000 feet, they would also be able to go there? What do we, the humans of the 21st century, have yet to understand about who and what lives below the surface of our Earth's seas? It's not so hard to imagine that a kraken could still be lurking, waiting for the right moment to come up from the depths into the sunlight. Thanks for listening to Unspookable. I'm your host, Elise Parisian. This episode was written by Eleanor Riley Condit, produced and edited by Nate Dufort. Our theme song and additional music composed by Jesse Case. Our logo was created by Natalie Kewen, with episode artwork by Brianna Jacoby. Special thanks this week to our guests Blythe, Olivia, and Al. That's it for this season of Unspookable. But make sure you're subscribed, as we have some exciting things to share before we're back this fall. As always, if you like the show, we would love if you could share with a friend and leave us a rating and review in your podcast player of choice, or share an episode on social media. Speaking of social media, you can find Unspookable on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us for a peek behind the scenes and for updates on the show. Unspookable is part of the Soundsington Audio Network, committed to making quality programming for young audiences and the young at heart. For more information on our shows and the people behind them, go to www.soundsingtonmedia.com. Let Mysteries at Midnight be your destination for detective whodunits and captivating mystery stories. You'll hear classic stories like Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie's Poirot and short tales from H.G. Wells, Charles Dickens, Edgar Allan Poe and others. I'm Christopher and I read these classic stories in the soothing style of a bedtime story so you can listen to them in bed when you drift off to sleep. Search for Mysteries at Midnight on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favourite podcast app and follow and subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes.